things we are forced to name. Chapter 4 Dad Crowley didn't have community service anymore, and there was no way in hell he would be volunteering for it, even if it meant an extra hour with Aziraphale. It was almost worth it, but then he thought about scraping weak old mystery casserole out of an unending stack of eternally stained dishes and the unpleasant surprise of picking up what one thought was an empty wrapper, only to find out it was in fact filled with rotting food. Nope, not worth it. It wasn't like he needed an excuse to hang out with Aziraphale anyway. They were friends. Actual, real friends. Crowley became a near-constant satellite to Aziraphale's house, caught in tight orbit with the blonde, whose gravity felt stronger than the sun. Crowley privately imagined them as a binary star system, two celestial bodies so close, so intrinsically linked, that they became nearly indistinguishable, melting together into a singular source of brightness, throwing out flares and collapsing ever inward, each pass pulling them in closer together, an inexorable draw like water sliding down glass, or like a magnet collecting iron filaments. The unified collecting the dispersed, centering them, orienting them to a steady north. Aziraphale had still never been to his house, and honestly, Crowley was perfectly content to keep it that way. But then Aziraphale had to go on and ask him about it. And what was Crowley going to do? Lie to his face? Well, he definitely could have. Probably should have, all things considered, but when Aziraphale had looked at him over lunch, big blue eyes brightened the sun and asked him so innocently, How come we never go to your house, Crowley? You've been to mine so many times, I want to see where you live. And Crowley knew that it wasn't fair to him, that he was purposely keeping this part of his life hidden, but he didn't want Aziraphale to see that. To see it and know how little Crowley had, how incredibly fucked up his family was. To pity him. He wanted to stay like this, just as they were, knowing Aziraphale without Aziraphale knowing him. Oh, you wouldn't want to see my house, Angel. He shrugged and feigned nonchalance. It's nowhere near as nice as yours. Oh, but you know I don't care about that. I haven't even seen it up close, ever. He looked so fucking earnest, so sincere, and Crowley was so weak for him. Yeah, all right. Maybe we can go to mine sometime. Non-committal agreement. Perfect. Aziraphale frowned at him, and Crowley momentarily considered regretting how well the blonde knew him, but decided it wasn't worth the effort. Best late plans, or whatever. Fine. Next week, then. Hopefully he could milk that for a while, until he came up with a better excuse. 
Aziraphale smiled that smug little smile at him, and Crowley resented how his knees went watery, and he had to police his expression away from pathetically obvious adoration. It was messy business, being, well, he supposed he had to admit that he was in love with Aziraphale, his best and only friend. It wasn't much of a revelation, but it was the first time he had used those words for it. Love. Has any other word caused so much suffering? What a fucking cliché thought. He must be going soft. He scoffed at himself. Shut the fuck up, sop. What Crowley had not anticipated, unfortunately, was how badly Aziraphale apparently wanted to see his house. He was quite determined. He asked every day, at least twice, and by the following Wednesday, Crowley was fucking over it. Fine. He threw his hands up in the air in defeat and exasperation. We can fucking go to my house. I don't know why you're so determined to see my shitty little three-room hovel, but whatever, Aziraphale. He had the decency to look chagrined, at least. But it did nothing to dim his excitement, and he... Well, he wiggled with delight. It was almost worth it just to see that. Almost. But that was just his fucking luck, wasn't it? His dad would be home the one time he decided to bring someone over. He very nearly turned his bike around, senses begging him for the sound of screeching tires and the smell of burning rubber, wanting nothing more than to escape, get away. But Aziraphale was determined to visit, and it was bound to happen eventually. Maybe his dad would be asleep, wouldn't even notice they were there. Crowley steeled himself as they pulled up, shame welling in him as he looked over the house, at its slumped middle like a worn stair. At the rust and the ugly twist of painted metal, at the raw concrete and ripped screen door. He couldn't look at Aziraphale's face, but he had to warn him, he knew. My dad... He started, stopped, cleared his throat... Tried again. <clears throat> he's a... He's not a... A very nice guy. He swallowed, daring to make eye contact over his sunglasses, willing, as Aziraphale, to understand, not to ask questions. He had a very serious expression on his face, hard in a way Crowley definitely wasn't used to. He nodded. Crowley's gut clenched. Best get it over with. He walked up the porch, Aziraphale trailing close behind him, and opened the door cautiously, sticking his head in and listening for a moment before he pushed the door the rest of the way open, sweeping his arm out as he sarcastically announced, Home, sweet home. Aziraphale gasped, and for a moment Crowley was drowning, his brain screaming at him. Now he knows how pathetic you are. You aren't worthy of him, and he knows it, and he's going to leave, and why would he ever want to be friends with you after seeing how you live? Like an 
animal, like an impoverished cur. Impoverished cur? Aziraphale must be rubbing off on him. But Aziraphale's face was slack with... with awe? Crowley was immensely confused until the blonde stepped past him into the room Crowley lived in and made a beeline for the nearest cluster of potted greenery. Crowley! Are these yours? They're so lovely! You must take such great care of them. They're so green! He was petting the broad leaves of a squat little fiddle-leaf fig, smiling that beaming, lovely smile. Abruptly, Crowley was jealous of his own fucking plants. Unbelievable. Aziraphale was still talking. I don't know anything about plants, but these are so lovely, lovely things. He was still stroking the leaves. Stop that, you'll make the other ones jealous. Crowley was mostly joking, but Aziraphale seemed to take him to heart and spent the next ten minutes greeting and complimenting every plant in the room. Which was not an insignificant number of plants. Crowley applauded his tenacity. When he had finished with the last tiny succulent resting next to the threadbare couch Crowley slept on, he turned with a radiant look on his face. Crowley wanted desperately to kiss him. Well, if I knew you'd like the plants so much, I might have had you over sooner. Crowley lied, but it was a nice thought, and he thought Aziraphale might appreciate it. Which was, of course, exactly the moment Crowley's father decided to make an appearance. He stumbled out of his room, wearing a robe that had certainly seen better days, and probably not much else. Crowley didn't care enough to look, and honestly, didn't want to know. His eyes were bleary and glassy, a look Crowley knew well, and dreaded with every fibre of his being at this moment. He very slowly took a step backwards and slightly to the side, putting as much of his own body in between his father and Aziraphale as possible. Oh, who is this? He was squinting over Crowley's shoulder at Aziraphale, clearly sizing him up. When neither of them moved to respond, his gaze hardened. Anthony, introduce me to your little friend. He attempted a smile, but it came out as a cruel sneer, stained yellow teeth doing nothing to hold back the overwhelming stench of whiskey that rushed from his mouth as he spoke. Crowley was wound tight as a spring, held his nervous energy in the curve of his spine, the set of his shoulders. All three of the room's occupants could feel his anxiety. No, scratch that. All seventy-two of the room's occupants could feel it. Crowley could have sworn he saw the foliage closest to him start to shiver, but it was probably just him, shaking. Fear and anger and a writhing, twisting, itching feeling. He wanted to run, to hide, to move. This is Aziraphale. We know each other from... Azira, what now? 
What kind of fucking name is that? Crowley couldn't help his flinch. Aziraphale probably saw it, was probably putting the pieces together, would probably figure it out, and then he would pity him, and Crowley would never be able to talk to him again. Fuck. It's a religious thing, Crowley said, silently begging Aziraphale not to say anything. His father scoffed derisively. Religion's just the... the... What's fucking saying? He paused for a moment, cuffed a hand roughly over his stubbled chin. Doesn't matter. Religion's for idiots. Aziraphale stayed thankfully silent, but Crowley couldn't risk turning around to see his face. Right. Well, we were just leaving, so... Crowley was fully prepared to bolt, tense as a rabbit, shoulders relaxed but in a forced sort of way, like he was making an effort to keep them unacquainted with his ears. Well, don't let me stop you, Anthony. You and your little friend are fun. He sneered again, face twisting in an ugly approximation of a parental smile, and made his slow, shuffling way into the kitchenette. Crowley still didn't look at Aziraphale, just walked right back out the front door, hoping the blonde would get the hint and follow him. They got back on his bike, and this time Crowley didn't hold himself back, tearing out into the street. His throat was burning, and there was pressure building up behind his eyes that he was not at all prepared to deal with. Aziraphale didn't say a word, arms wound tied around Crowley, cheek resting on the back of his neck as they sped through the early evening emptiness. This was usually Crowley's favourite time of the year. Fall fully settled, air crisp and sharp, leaves a blur of colour. He hated every fucking thing about it at the moment. Crowley pulled up sharply in front of Aziraphale's house, waited for him to get off the bike. He still couldn't look at him, couldn't speak. His hands were gripping the bike's handles hard enough to hide their shaking, white-knuckled with tension. Crowley, I... Aziraphale started, so quiet, so soft against his shoulder. Don't. Crowley cut him off, voice hard. Almost hard enough to cover the rough quality to it, the suggestion of cracking that single word carried. Aziraphale ignored him. I'm sorry, Crowley, I didn't know... Well, now you do. So, if you would be so kind. He released his death grip on the throttle, gesturing up towards Aziraphale's white monstrosity of a house, a clear dismissal. I really think we should... Aziraphale still wasn't moving. If you don't get off this bike in the next ten seconds... Crowley didn't finish the threat. What could he say? He couldn't guarantee Aziraphale's safety. 
That was true, but then he would have to admit that he was about to do something dangerous, something irresponsible and stupid. Which was also true, but Aziraphale probably wouldn't let him go if he said that. He needed to go, and go fast. Fast and reckless, and skating just along that sweet razor-sharp edge between living and dying. Just come inside, please. For once, Crowley had no problem resisting that gentle, entreating voice. No. There was a certain finality to that. Aziraphale's arms around him loosened, and he leaned to the side, carefully bringing his leg over the seat until he was standing next to the bike. Crowley could feel his eyes burning into him, could feel his pity. He yanked on the throttle, the bike lurching forward, zero to sixty miles an hour in just under five seconds, fast enough that when his tears finally spilled over, they tracked nearly parallel to his sunglasses, streaking back into his hair.